Oh my goodness. Oh man, we're back. This is our first one, Tom Lee. Uh, when I say we're back, I am, of course, in meeting the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast presented by Underdog Fantasy. This is, of course, a fantasy walkabout season two, episode 15. Don't worry about the logistics of the numbers if you're tracking the podcast. All right. Just this is 15. I forgot to update one show. It happens, okay, but it's out there in the ether on YouTube. Technically, this is still number 15. Look, <laughs> this is our first show, uh, as I mentioned, after the draft. This is post-draft health check. I feel like we all need one after everyone's done seven to 45,000 rookie drafts. The fact that there is so much ADP data already about rookie drafts means you're all animals absolute animals <laughs> yeah 1000 percent uh look what this means is we are bringing back some of our segments that uh, usually kick in around this time of year we got uh, a new one for you which i love to see and again lots of rookie talk we also have the opportunity i am on the clock right now in my first ever devi startup we are going to talk my way through my next pick so that's kind of exciting. I figured we might as well do that. And why not? Of course, you are finding us here now on our new home at the True North Fantasy Football YouTube Network. You can also go to uh, tnffb2.com uh, backslash full tilt, uh, and you will get all of our full tilt dynasty content. One last shout out for the rookie shows. Both days, absolutely incredible. The feedback. Sorry. Fantastic. We're sending out our jersey to our jersey winner. And courtesy of Lucas of Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast, we our next giveaway will be a Debo Samuel signed jersey. That will be the next Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast giveaway. Haven't figured out how we want to hit that one home yet, but we're going to. We're going to make it easy for everyone to enter like we always do. It's not going to be complicated or convoluted. It's just to give our listeners a shot at winning something nice from us where we cover all the expenses to get it shipped out. Because we do it like that. I, of course, am your host with the most time on his hands. I am Thomas Tipple FF. And I got to tell you, my fun fact of the, uh, of the week here is that out of five rookie drafts, I have drafted Sky Moore exactly four times. Very nice. And I am Tom Lee. You can find me on Twitter. At Tom underscore Lee 92, and my fun fact, or sad fact, is I've only had one and a half rookie drafts completed. I thought we'd be fully into this season by now, uh, but sadly, only one and a half in. That's, I'm disappointed in you, Tom Lee. You I know. Me. I'm in so many leagues. Uh, you need to be a little bit more like our, our Full Tilt Dynasty podcast supercomputer, Jacob, who is... <laughs> And in the middle of Andor finished 20 rookie drafts, which, man, I can't <laughs> wait to talk to him about that. No Full Tilt Dynasty podcast this week on Tuesday. Uh, that's not going to be a thing. But uh, Billy can't make it, and Jacob and I kind of need a break. And it gives me some time to move around some new – look, it wouldn't be a Full Tilt Dynasty podcast without me telling you that there's new and exciting news coming because this show is growing so freaking fast, which we want to say thank you to everyone for. Absolutely. But it is it is growing really fast. Like, it's moving. Uh, and, again, hard to keep up, but we love we love all the all the stuff. But Tuesday, I will say I will be joining uh, someone that I am a big fan of. at Jake Trowbridge on the – uh, drinking at drinking fantasy podcast 
That's going to be Tuesday night. We're talking AFC North. I get to go spread my Greg Roman propaganda. Can't wait for that. Finally, uh, another platform for you to go and infest with your Greg Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's drinking and talking fantasy football. I mean, can't go wrong. <laughs> me and a Bengals fan, a Browns fan, a Steelers fan, Jeez. it's only going to be great. I believe it's Andrew Hall, Arms, and Wyatt uh, are going to be the other. Sounds like a start of a bad joke. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. So that's going to kind of take place the Full of Dynasty podcast on Tuesday. So I just want to get that out there. Tom Lee, we're back. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait too much longer. I want to get into the episode because there's, there is, I think every show says this, but there is a lot to get to because every show everywhere, there should be a lot to get to. Otherwise, get the f- off the air. Oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Get the, the button off the air. That's right. I have the button. Let's go. So look, we're, I, I think we're ready to kick it off. So look. First thing today, bloody stoked. What's Us. got you up and about this week? What has got Absolutely. you bloody stoked, Tom Lee? Well, I sort of led into it with my not-so-fun fact. It's rookie season time, you know, rookie draft season. So um, everyone's takes and, oh, we're going to dive into this later in the episode, but that's what's coming <laughs> up and about. Um, there's, there's controversy. There's happenings on Twitter. People are standing for people who have never taken the field. It's great. Um, it's It's... It's all of the stuff that we hated about three weeks ago where people were overdoing everything, and now it's real. So now we can finally start attacking it. So uh, that's got me up and about. Finally, I'm allowed to be up and about about this rookie draft season. I, I, I mean, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hot stuff out there. The Look, I'm going to play the clip from our show on Tuesday in a little bit here, but I, I want to talk about James Cook today because it's kind of getting out of hand even for me. What's got me... What's got me up in a boat this week is that I understand that there is burnout and something that I want to mention to everyone who's listening or maybe content creating or maybe sees this later. It's okay to be burnt out. It's okay. Just take a deep breath and relax. You don't got to fight it. I see some content out there where I can tell and I've talked to some people where it is out there because they feel like they have to put it out there. You do not put out what you want to put out. Feel good about the work that you are putting in, and it will come through in your work. So that's what's got me up and about today is, is I'm seeing people be up and down about their emotional state over getting the rookie stuff. Guys, people are doing rookie drafts and dynasty startups leading into the first kickoff of the season. Put it out. In a time that makes you comfortable. That's what's important. 100%. Other than that, I think we're ready to go to the first segment. Before we do, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a break from us right now. We have a clip from our show on Tuesday. That was Full Tooth Podcast episode 15. When we come back, uh, we're bringing back the Budgie Smugglers. And that means I'm going to harass Budgie Smuggler to give us a sponsor again this year. Until they do. Here's a clip from last week. There was no chance the NFL believed that a person smaller than me uh, could could succeed and get the draft capital. I said it. Uh, I said that Wario Robinson wasn't going to be a thing. He's not going to get drafted. Not only did he get drafted, but he got drafted by one of the better offensive minds in the sport. Uh, and it's quite clear that they will have a role for them. So I'm, I'm eating crow. I'm eating my giant shit sandwich. I really just think I hate the most that it's Jacob going to be making that shit sandwich and forcing it down my throat every Absolutely. week. Wandale Robinson's out of the league. 
We got Kyle Sander up in the chat. What up, Kyle? Much love to you. Hope things are well for you this weekend. Thanks for kicking in. Uh, what, Tom Lee, explain what the budgie smuggler of the week is for those who are new to tuning in. So if you're new to tuning in, the budgie smuggler is uh, an Aussie slang for a speedo, right? The dick tog, uh, the banana <laughs> hammock. Um, yeah, so your DTs. It, I know it's early, but... Um, that, that's what your budgie yeah. smugglers are. So, so we take that to mean who's packing a little, little extra heat, a little bit of spaz, a little bit of sort of sorry pizzazz down at the uh, down at the beach. Who's strutting their stuff in their little budgie smugglers, um, and who reckons they're the hot stuff at the moment? And it's who we think is the hot stuff at the moment. So normally we do this each week with someone we think is going to be sort of have a boom game, but at the moment there's a few people flying high post draft who are packing a little extra heat than normal. And um, we wanted to dive into these two quarterbacks saying these guys might be a little happy with themselves and might find themselves down at the beach sometime soon strutting their stuff. So why don't you dive into the first one, Tom? Because I think you're particularly Look, interested and fascinated by this man and his tiny, tiny hands. Look, I love the budgie smuggler bit. Tom, oh, when I you, was wondering where that was going. <laughs> when you created this bit, it made me... Uh, unbelievably happy and it has been one of my favorite things and i have sent numerous emails to budgie smuggler to give us a full tilt dynasty podcast budgie smuggler uh, uh sponsor because no one pumps the budgie smuggler up more In than the, the dynasty podcast all right nobody believe that but for me there's one player there's one player that walked out of that draft Right, all all the noise, all the talk, specifically for me, because I thought he was a 472 year old rookie quarterback coming out of college after starting for over 50 years at Pitt. <laughs> he walked into that draft room, everyone talking smack. Willis is the guy, corrals the guy. Ritter's moving up draft boards. Instead, it's Kenny Babyhands Pickett walking out of the green room, not only first, but as the only first-round quarterback taken in this draft. If there is anybody that has a, a budgie smuggler filled up a little bit extra today, walking down that beach, strutting his stuff, letting everyone see the confidence, it's baby hands, old man picket, and I love it for him. He goes to a spot where not only is he comfortable, because he – I look, I love this segment because I can just go down narrative street all day. And absolutely he's playing in the stadium. He played with in college. He doesn't really have to go anywhere. He's got one of the better offenses built around him for fantasy. This is at worst, at worst you're getting young or you're getting old man, big Ben, which put up decent enough fantasy games. But when it comes to his confidence after the draft, He's given the double bird to every other quarterback that sat there waiting to the third round. Just he's Eli Manning, both of these, all the other guys. So there's yeah. nobody that's wearing a budgie smuggler as confidently as Kenny Pickett. Just not in Pittsburgh. I don't advise that. It's it's gonna get a little cold. Not gonna help. I was gonna you. ask what, what's the what's the likelihood of being able to strut the budgie smuggler in Canada? Uh, uh, I feel like Winnipeg's not got a lot of budgie seasons. Well, I think the blizzards are finally over. So you've got like a hot two weeks. Snow melts. That. That's water. Yeah, That's exactly. 100%. We also got David Mendelson. He's, he's coming in. He's chilling out. And Kyle agrees. Yeah, it's a legit segment. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all we do is legit segments. Tom Lee, who do you think's rocking the budgie? So for, so for me, it's not a rookie. 
Uh, it's a guy that I'm pretty sure already owned a few pairs of budgie smugglers and oh. struts them around very happily uh, in his New York change room. But now he's got a better reason to, to wear them proud and then walk out to the stadium. So Zach Wilson could not be happier walking away from this draft. Um, the Jets just went and gave him the best chance to perform. He could be absolutely junk. He could be, I'm not going to say Kenny Pickett, but he could be the old man Ben of New York, right? Um, and he could still have great fantasy output for us. So for a guy who was sort of sitting around the back half of that sort of mid to high QB2 range, we didn't know what to do with with these young guys. He now puts his hand up and says, you know, this could be a proper opportunity to develop into something pretty cool and pretty special. So whether the talent's there, I mean, we'll still, that'll be yet to be seen. But for a guy to walk away from a draft with the best opportunity to perform for us on, on, on a fantasy context is is fantastic. So congratulations, Zach. Put, put, your, put your budgie smugglers on. Don't know how many beaches there are in New York, but um, he'll find himself down to a local bar or a local pool or something and just strut around a little bit more. I think that with Zach Wilson, who's one of my favorite targets this offseason, because some people are just already putting him up to pasture, which fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. He was not great at the start. But the end of last year, it wasn't so bad for him. And Big Ben put up uh, QB. Uh, he was uh, 12th in points per game as early as 2020. And uh, fantasy points per game last year was 23rd. So if Wilson and or Pickett can at least give you that, I think it's worth it as they grow. And Kyle said that I took Pickett 106 in the league where we can start three quarterbacks. Jesus. One quarterback and two super flex. Jesus. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in that league because my fade quarterback strategy would not do well. I'd be back to starting Sam Darnold QB1 every week at that rate. That's insane, Kyle. You're an absolute animal. So that's our budgie smuggler of the week. I'm happy it's back. Yeah, uh, Budgie Smuggler, I'm coming for that sponsorship. Okay, we're gonna we'll put, take anything at this point. We'll build, we'll build, we'll build our relationship. We just need them. We will put Tom Lee's face on a Budgie Smuggler this year. Jeez. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. He may not want it, but it's gonna happen. Look, we're gonna take another second. When we come back, we're gonna get into Punish Totally, and we'll explain that for the people that are new to it. Sit tight. Here's another clip from Tuesday. Stop fucking taking him at 106. Stop it. You're ruining this for me. Don't turn me against my favorite player. Stop it. Because strong 107. I have him ranked at 201 in my rookie rankings. And that's me being all about it. Because 201 seems just fine for me. I am willing to say that 110. 110 is like a reasonable, thoughtful place that if you really want a running back and you really think he's going to do it and you don't believe in like a Dotson or Christian Watson. Sure. James Cook's a fine, fine player and a good offense. Awesome. Stop it at 106. There's there's not there's nothing frustrating me more than this right now. <laughs> James Cook. We'll get into that more. I love that you have the beat button, but refuse to use it and refuse to implement it on a clip that you're playing in the show. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The clips, it's a little harder because I forget what I say a week later. So it's really hard to censor. So the, the censor button is for live, right? Okay. And I'm not going to, that's correct. Something's going to slip. And I mean, it's only because I know that I swear too much. So the censor button exists when I hear Greg Roman get brought up. <laughs> or you know something really egregious that needs a quick little center so yeah. 
when I start getting on a cuss rant, that's when I need that. And some comedic value because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So Tom Lee, for the people who are new to listening, what is Punish Atali? Uh, how do we get into it and what's it all about? So Atali, and we talk about definitions. I think uh, you said in Canada it's a tall boy or it's a, a longer beer, normally sort of your 750 mil arrangement. Yeah, um, there it is. That's a tolly right there. Nice. For us, it's even bigger. Think, think like it's almost like a forty, like a forty ounce. Uh, oh Jesus! Oh yeah, she, she's a big bottle. But um, anyway, the whole point is you're having a longer conversation. That's not not really that specific. You kick back with a tolly. It's lighthearted conversation about fantasy in general, uh, just to sort of ease us in uh, into the, the real stuff later on. But today we're going to talk about five guys we weren't really interested sort of pre-draft, whether it was because of price or whether it was because we didn't think they were going to go in a certain range, who now post-draft have a new light, we have new ability. So, um, yeah, lead us off, Tom. Yeah, and one important thing that I want to mention for, again, anyone new listening to the, the walkabout is this isn't a show where we want to sit down and break down every statistical category for every player. Okay, there's 672,421 other smarter people on the internet to get that information from. This is a casual conversation about players in different scenarios and especially hitting home and focusing on those dynasty teams that have kind of been around for a while. This is startup season and rookie draft season and it's it's super cool to talk about. What about those teams that have been down and out for a while? That's what we're talking about here. This is kind of what we're focusing on. We do bring up ADP quite a bit, but it is yeah. also important. Even if your dynasty league is five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, if you're lucky enough to get that far, it's good to go back and check in on ADP. Don't don't let it go. It's it's good to know where your players are at this point. That way you're not you know holding on to the body of Julio Jones like I did last year. Um, but look, punishing a totally today. Five players we're now interested in that we weren't pre-draft. You have Tyler Algier, Rashad White, Wandale Robinson, Abram Smith is interesting, and then Damian Pierce. So these are a lot of players that uh, we're now interested in. One of the, I'm going to start off with one that's not on this list, actually. Yep. One player that's not on this list for me is someone that I am interested in is Jahan Dotson. And yep. it might be weird because, Tom, he was drafted 16th. I understand that. I called him Jalen Rieger 2.0 when we were doing the full tilt countdown. And I still believe that. I don't like Dotson as a, as a prospect. I don't like how he profiles. He has classic uh, NFL round one profile bust uh, built in. But he got the DC. And now he seems to be slipping out of a lot of rookie drafts out of the first round, which yeah. means I'm interested. And I'm going to steal this from Jacob, who said that if I'm sitting at 110, 111, 112, I am trading back trading out or hoping the league dissolves before I have to make the pick. And I agree to that to some extent, but I am happy taking it. And I'm not happy about it, but I will take a dot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you start creeping into that second round stuff, then for sure, because insulated value and draft capital, and we can't be right about everything all the time. So maybe he's actually good. I don't know. I don't like his situation. I don't like the talent around him. Washington does really weird stuff. But one player that I'm more into now than I was before is Dotson. And I understand his draft capital. It may seem like a cheese, maybe a cop-out. But I am, as the kids would say, a hater. So 
I, for me to be interested, it kind of says, and I've had some great conversations with uh, Nate, Nathan and uh, GN, Wyatt. We've had some great back and forths on Dotson. So shout out to them. Uh, Tom Lee, what about you? Well, so it's fantastic that you bring up Dotson because he was the unlucky sixth one that didn't fit into the sexy number of five. So oh, sweet. Yeah. So on Dotson, so for me, yeah, he was way down our rankings, but then all of a sudden draft capital brought him in. I thought, oh, he's going to get overdrafted. He's not going to be in a range where I'm interested. But you're right. He is starting to slide out. So any reason he didn't make it in was we don't have solid ADP yet. So I can't just say this is where this guy is established based on the one and a half drafts that I've done. He is sliding like crazy. So um, there's definitely an opportunity there if you want to take a shot in the late first, early second on a guy who's got first round draft gap. Uh, not at the 107 like a Jalen Rager was if you want 2.0. Um, and he's got opportunity. You know, he's sitting in Washington where there's definitely, they need someone across to McLaurin. Um, Curtis Samuel in getting done. So we'll see. We'll see if there's new life being bred into that offense. Um, for me, these, the reason these guys are all there is because they either weren't on the board or they weren't really high up our boards before the draft. And either opportunity or their draft cap has now just sort of made them more interesting. So it's not that we're saying you should go out and draft them, but if the opportunity presents itself at a reasonable value for you, they're guys with upside that could actually either contribute to your team this year or provide you with value, which we always talk about, to then flip off later in the year. So we look at like a guy like Algier, this, <clears throat> behind Damian Williams, there's yeah, no one in Atlanta really, aside from Cordero Patterson, who's 38 or 40 or whatever, um, <laughs> to run the ball and catch passes. So He's this is the guy who had, years. yeah, <laughs> it's the guy who had decent tape. There were a few people that were interested in, he had some good analytics. So it's, it's just a piece that has not great draft cap, but he's sitting on a roster with no depth. So if you want to take a shot later in the draft and go, well, why not roll the dice with this third or whatever I'm not using? Why not take a shot on a guy like Algier who could give you, you know, a fill-in week and then people go, oh, I need a guy and you flip him for whatever you want. So he pops up. Rashad White's the one I want to talk to you mainly about um, because I think you're going to get your fair share of Wario, Wondell Robinson takes from Jacob um, yeah. as well as yeah. Abram Smith because oh, Abram yeah. Smith's one of Jacob's favorite um, sneaky sleepers as a running back. Um, okay. And he went undrafted and got taken on to New Orleans. So he's interesting because the depth the depth chart's also really thin. But Rashad White, where are you with him? Because I know you were interested and liked the guy pre-draft. The, it's not that his draft cap was there, but it's the opportunity that presents itself in Tampa for me that makes right. him really interesting. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I like Rashad White. Like Again, if you, if you watch the countdown, if you didn't or didn't listen, you should go and do that. Um, but the, the countdown really stayed like he barely missed. He, we wanted him in the top 12. We really wish yeah. we could have got him in the top 12. He was our pre-draft running back three. I think pretty much consensus wise, once this filler yeah. kind of stuff kind of hit, hit the shit, hit the fan, if you would. So I like Rashad white. I don't really care about age as much for running backs when they come out as much as I do for say wide receivers. And yeah. I mean, if, he can catch the ball, he can pass block, and he can he, he can obviously tote the rock, and he's in a good offense. So really in year one, all you're hoping for, maybe not hoping for because you never want to really put it that way. That's a little rough yeah. there, Tommy boy. But we, if, if Fournette misses time, they hate Vaughn, obviously, yeah. clearly. Clearly just like Vaughn as just a human, apparently. Brady doesn't want him on the field, it seems like, so – you end up you you end up getting Rashad White in an opportunity to absolutely smash in the games Fournette may miss. 
So yeah. yeah, or even cleanup work, cleanup work for Tampa Bay. Oh my God, phenomenal. Yeah. If Fournette goes down at all, and who knows, Fournette's contract, they can easily get out of it. I, I'm willing to take a Rashad White. I ideally for me, two hundred five. Okay. Ideally, because yeah. the second round, like we talked about in the draft pick conversation shows leading yeah. up to the draft. The second round is where I'm hammering home just every potential running back I can. Uh, Keontae Ingram's actually working his way kind of to 301 yep. into 212 at this point, which yep. I was a little surprised thinking that I myself would be a, a believer a little bit, but Jacob's spinning the, spinning the web. Lucas here, how many touches year one for White? I have no How many weeks this one? Yes. I have that's, no that's, uh, idea. Yeah. Because – you can't just take Rojo's touches because Rashad White's a better pass catcher. So uh, I don't know what to expect. I, no, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I do projections. I don't. There are way smarter people for me. So for me to sit there and waste my time doing projections that won't mean anything, I will wait for some of the smarter people. So we will book that question for later. I think that if, I don't know, like 100 and, 120 touches – maybe would be like peak. I'm not hundred percent sure. That's a good question though. I wish I was more prepared for that. I was not Tom Lee. Yeah. I mean, so all we want to see is you're right. We don't do projections, especially this far out. Like you're not looking into the numbers. The rosters haven't settled yet, but we want to see guys that we liked pre-draft or in your case, you guys liked them a little bit more than I did um, with, with a, a reasonable path to production. So for me, the thing that's changed for me is the reasonable path to production. So um, I can't remember which guests we had on because we had about 28 guests on oh my God, in the so lead up to the draft. But we're talking seriously about just the reality that running backs do miss time, and that's probably why they're not sometimes worth. And I think we're talking about the efficacy of um, the the RB the zero RB. Oh, that um, was Ben Gretsch. It was Gretsch. I was okay. gonna, I didn't want to miss misspeak for Ben. So yeah, I think it was Gretsch. So we're talking about it's just a reality that they go down. They're going to miss time. It's not saying that every single one will, but it's just what it is. Um, you know, and that could happen to Rashad White as well. But in an offense that's this high power that uses the running back how they do, having this guy has inherent value built in because a lot of people liked him anyway. So even if he doesn't play a lot, you've still got a, a guy who's likely to hold a bit more name value. Um, as well as if he does get on the field, I think there's a really good chance that he can actually produce some decent numbers and give you an opportunity to flip if you really don't like the player. Um, but like I said, it all comes down to where you get him. So one, if you're talking 205, 206, I'm happy. One thing uh, with running backs is there's no such thing as an injury-prone running back. You're just a running back because you it's know they're yeah. going to get hurt at some point. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. If your running back makes it to the season, count your stars because you are lucky. Uh, next up, go ahead. Yeah, so really the last one I want to cover off on is interesting because it, it's a guy I really didn't even have anywhere near our top 24. Uh, it's Damian Pierce. So fourth mm-hmm. round, taken to Houston. There's just not a lot. You said before, after the first round, this this whole thing is very wide open. Um, so if you're talking third round for this guy, like I don't, I mean, I'm flipping thirds. You're not, you're not touching. Nothing, him. So. You're not. You're not going to come close to him in the third round. He's going. So this in is the, the question. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to talk to you about is because I have interest. But if he's not, if he's going early to mid second, well, you know, I'll take someone else. I'll take someone I think that has higher upside. But um, what are your thoughts on a Damien Pierce? Uh, I want him on my teams. I'm worried uh, the big thing, and I know uh, C.D. Carter had touched on this, and I actually think 
Pat Dougherty did as well, where they talked about he's a player that never got a full workload at Florida. So I am worried about that. He doesn't hit the athletic profile. Don't love that. Right. Four, five, nine. It's not great. 49th percentile. He's got a a almost 70th percentile uh, speed score. His burst score is not good. Even worse agilities. None of these things sound good. Yeah. What does sound good to me, though, There's is a reason is he a wasn't back- announced top 24. Right. Yeah. The, the reason he is going high, and Lucas has here 206 in the last rookie draft he was in, and yeah, that's about, I've seen 202, I've seen 203, I've seen 28, I've seen 31. If I'm not missed if I have my numbers written down here correctly. And he's 5'10", he's almost 225, he's got that build, he's only 22. See, again, he doesn't have a ton of college touches, so his legs should be fresh. It's very narrative-driven, but to get to my point, is he has what Burkhead, David Johnson, yeah. uh, Marlon Mack to deal with in Houston. That's it. I if if he can't beat these guys out for for meaningful touches, then he was probably bad anyway. But if you're taking him, I will not touch him at Trey Sermon levels of draft capital. I won't do that. So the two one, the two two, the two three. That's not for me. He's very Trey Sermony to me, and I don't want any part of that. But again, Rashad White at say 204, 205, and you get Pierce 26, 27. I'm willing to take those two chances. And sure. I think if you do that, I think you're curing as much value as possible, especially if you're trading back out of the 110 and curing a 23 pick and then netting a 26, 27 in Pierce. I think that's that's fantastic. I think that's great. I think you should be doing that. But at that point in the draft, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You start getting into the, the Trey Sermon territory, and I'm going to run the other direction very quickly because I think you're just sinking your your cost at that point. It's not a value at that point. Yeah. I think um, I think the whole point of this, right, the whole, the whole idea of having a lot of conversations is to say, who are some guys that might present value that – and that's what we're really about is we're just trying to find those value pieces that you don't have to go and acquire in trades because you know when we're going to get some more trades for can we always do. Um, but, yeah, is there someone sitting in your draft you're not sure about, but there's an opportunity where he could provide a bit more value sometime during this year? That's this whole process. So have a think about it. There might be some other guys as well, and you guys can hit us up on Twitter or, or DM Oh, us. yeah, I, I got um, a couple right here, actually. Sick. Well, I mean, if you want to work through them, we can, but I know we've got to get to the, the rest of the work. Oh, yeah, so. we're. I'm not worried about it. We're gonna get, I, I want to mention uh, – Tyrion Davis Price, no thank you. Uh, no thank you. Yeah. Fifth wide receiver. Oh, God, if only he could play wide receiver. Uh, fifth running back off the board to San Francisco. This screams yeah. a very fake, sharp Shanahan move. I'm not worried about Elijah Mitchell. In this case, this is a player that is going as high as 201. Yeah. No thank you. See you later. Um, no one, very few people even knew who he was until Chris Sims put out his running back ranks. So you have Chris, yeah, you have Chris Sims, but then you also have Ray G. So I mean, I'm not going to speak on behalf of a guy that I really like in the industry, but he liked his tape and he thought he was a sneaky sleeper. Now this is a guy who also preached a lot about Elijah Mitchell last year. One isn't a sneaky sleeper. This is the key, right? So it's all about the value. So TDP, sure. I mean, you know, there's opportunity in that field. They use multiple runners. If he fits the scheme better, you know, who's he competing against from last year? Pretty much just Trey Sermon. So I can see, I can see how people get there, but you're exactly right. You're not pushing him up to where Trey Sermon was last year because it's not that pick. You know, the reason Trey Sermon went there last year was because of the draft capital and because 
we thought, I don't know what we thought. I don't everyone, know what people were thinking, but everyone else yeah. at the time was booty cheeks. Elijah yeah. Mitchell is not booty cheeks. Yeah. So so that's the key, right? So by all means, if you're interested, take him, but I'm not going anywhere probably before 206 on a TDP. No, no, not yeah. yet. If you get that high, I think that you're in trouble, and I think you're hurting your fantasy team more than you're helping, uh, for sure. And then the the other one I kind of want to talk about is is Brian Robinson. I think we have to talk oh, about yeah. Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson is like uh, going to a steakhouse and ordering the New York instead of the porterhouse, and then <laughs> ordering it well done. Yeah, like he's as boring as as you could possibly get at running back. The man is boring. However, uh, to use your analogy, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's very wrong. 100%. You shouldn't be ordering a steak well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go to a real top tier steakhouse, don't order the New York. Order the porterhouse and do yourself a favor. Just treat yourself. You earned it. But he's a player that. I think is going to take touches away from Gibson. I think that if Washington believed in Gibson with how bad their team is, I don't think that they were using uh, the 98th. That is a top 100 pick. There were so many players on the pro football focus uh, live draft board that they could have picked that were still available for the commanders at that point. And they went, nah, we need a running back. We brought back JD McKissick, but we still need a running back. And I think it's because Washington doesn't actually trust Gibson. And what keeps Gibson off the field? Pass protection. And a lot of fantasy folks on the Bird app and a lot of fans in just casual fans in fantasy leagues is not everyone is a content creating super sharp shark in the water fantasy player. It's important to remember that. Uh, They want Gibson on the field more, but What's holding them back? Like I said, it's his pass protection. And it annoys us. And we don't want to talk about it. And it's not important. But what keeps Tony Pollard off the field? Third down pass protection. So Zeke keeps getting those little dump offs that Pollard maybe should have. Maybe he gets those third down touches that Pollard should have. And that's the problem with Gibson. That's why I was off of Gibson going into last year. I didn't believe it. And now you have a back that can take first down and second down on drives. No problem. I believe Robinson's good enough in pass pro that if they wanted to keep him out there in a no huddle, they can do that. And he's your prototypical bowling ball bruiser. Absolute plotter. Gives you nothing extra, but can fall in from the one and two yard line. This all culminates into hurting Gibson. So I think Brian Robinson is being absolutely slept on, especially with Gibson being a guy that has missed a ton of time and have been hurt every year that he's played so far in the NFL, the last two years. And it's just Robinson's like, ah, he sucks. The narrative of Robinson is, ah, he sucks. He sucks. I don't want him. Well, guess what? Every year running backs come in and they end up hurting some of our favorite assets. And we've got another another one in Brian Robinson. All right, listen to DJ Khaled. He tells it like it is. And I'm I'm concerned. I'm very much worried for, for Gibson. So if you're waiting on a running back, maybe in the third round early, 3-1, 3-2, 3-3, and Robinson's on the board, just pick him up. Pick him up and throw him on your taxi squad. Because if Gibson gets hurt, they're not going to use McKissick to just pound that ball up the middle. They're, they're definitely going to use 
uh, Robinson. And if somebody comes at me with the Patterson stuff, just move on. That It's not happening. It's not going to happen for you. Anything else before we move on yeah. to the next bit? No, I completely agree with that. I think uh, the issue with the Gibson take from last year and the year before was we know his explosive. He was very raw um, as an army mm. talent, but the whole idea was what was the role going to be? If the role was there, then we were completely in love with this kid. And we saw flashes of it. And I think that's what got us, got a lot of us buying in is like, well, if he can, you know, take over as this guy, then he's absolutely worth it. Um, but I think they're just changing that role. I think they're trying to make it into a more professional backfield um, committee and just try to pound and get more efficiency with that offense because it just hasn't been working for them. Um, and like you said, he's been getting injured. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing for his health, but it's a, it's a bad thing for his situation because that role I don't think is going to exist anymore. The worst thing to happen Antonio Gibson was Ron Rivera opening his fucking mouth and calling Absolutely. him McCaffrey because it set the Twitter world on fire and the, the stands stand even harder yeah. uh, for him. And then when it didn't happen and he's not like he didn't catch passes, he did, but JD uh, is, is, yeah. is going to be there. Obviously uh, they signed him to a uh, two year contract after Buffalo signed him to a contract. Like they were like, Hey, hey let's see how much they'll pay you. And then yeah. they matched it. So whatever. So I just think it's, it's important to not just yeet. Um, Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson. Yeah out of existence because you don't like him or that he's boring. Guess what? <clears throat> boring running back, screw over fa- exciting fantasy assets all the time. So like boring and playing over nothing. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick second then we're going to get to the real important shit on this podcast. And we're going to, we're going to come back and it's a little bit of mock drafting. We're going to talk through my next draft pick in this draft also uh, when we're done. So sit tight. Uh, we're going to, Here's a clip from our – this is a little bit of a longer clip, but here's a clip with our guest, uh, Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points. One of the things that I've noticed in, the, I think, the two-plus years I've been around here is the team uh, – how, how, do, how do I put this? The team-dedicated Twitter verses are probably the scariest, um, I guess, fan pages uh, possible – Especially, I shout out to the New York Giants uh, Twitter fan base. They're absolutely insane. The Bengals and Steelers are absolutely insane. Insane. From your time, what are what is the team that seems to come at you the most? Like the the, the oh. team of fans who comes at you the most? Oh, this is easy. Um, so I'm I'm a Giants fan. I think Giants Twitter is is really bad. Giants I mean, Twitter is the worst. <laughs> I think it's really bad. I think uh, Seahawks Twitter is by far the best. They are yeah. so insanely smart. The average hashtag Seahawks Twitter guy is smarter than the average Miami Dolphins beat writer. And it's so funny because like the it's front like the office Church of Ben Baldwin. More... What's that? It's, it's like for... the Church of Ben Baldwin. Like they have like uh, yeah. Ben Baldwin and Mina Kimes, and I feel like everyone is just like trying to be as smart as their fearless leaders. I was thinking, I was thinking of Danny Kelly, Mina yeah, Kimes, yeah. Uh, or, or Arif Hassan. I think yeah. he was sort of adopted mm-hmm. by them. A uh, bunch, bunch of really sharp guys, and the front office couldn't be more diametrically opposed, which is so funny. Love that show with Ben Gretsch. You can go and you can go and find that on the True North Network uh, on the website that I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, un- unbelievable show with him. He's great, but it is true. Giants Twitter's it's the you guys are. 
all of you. Like it's you guys are absolute savages, but I mean it's it provides fantastic and entertaining uh commentary. Tom Lee, uh why don't you walk us actually, you know what? Screw that. We're gonna talk to my draft picks. I'm driving people Let's nuts. I'm on the clock. I'm on the clock right now, folks. I'm gonna let uh anyone in the chat plus Tom Lee talk you through this pick. So this is a Devi draft. This is my first ever Devi draft. I think this is the first time we ever talked through a live startup draft pick or even rookie draft pick on the show. So, so here we go. I figured I'd make everyone wait so I could go through this. So my bad, everyone. <laughs> but the team after me has drafted three straight quarterbacks, uh, which is always fun. There's a, a bunch of people that already have two, and I have none. You see, I drafted from the 1-6, and I took Justin Jefferson, I took CeeDee Lamb, and I took T. Higgins in the third. So here I am sitting in the fourth. I have no running backs. I have no quarterbacks, but I have receivers. This is tight end premium, which does not matter to Tom Lee because, as we has mentioned, tight ends don't exist. They're basically kickers to him. So, yeah. <laughs> not even, not even a, like a George Kittle who's chilling here. That's more interesting. Yeah, and it's heavy. I mean, look, uh, there is a point at which I will allow you to take the tight end. <laughs> so Andrews is gone already. Obviously, Pitts went in the first. That's not very shocking. Yeah. But this construction, Tom, is purely about being as young and explosive as possible, which is why I'm just hammering home wide receivers. And I got to tell you, I'm tempted to do it again. And I'll yeah. tell you why. We've got Drake London, we've got Deontay Johnson. Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. I'm never drafting Terry McLaurin. And then you've got the Elijah Morris, James. Like the fall off at wide receiver in the next round. So now I'm wondering, do I just say screw it and just take Drake London or take Deontay Johnson and go about my business? Look, I mean, if you're talking to me, I'm – you, I mean, we did talk about this in the Discord. Uh, I would have taken quarterback in the first round just because the way Debbie works. But now that you haven't, because when you so when you sort of commit to a plan, the way to make it work, and I think it might have been, again, it might have been the Gret show we're talking about when you decide how it's going to work, the next pick has to complement what you're doing, right? Yeah. So the chances yeah. of competing year one, you might pick up a quarterback or two that's competitive later on. You might pick up some running backs that also compete and help you compete later on, but we know the guys that are going to establish value in your team are likely to be wide receiver. Um, a guy like Kittle, whilst he's probably younger at the tight end position, is still it's still a bit like running back, where it's a little bit injury-prone compared to other positions, and the value is not necessarily going to be there unless someone's coming up to, to buy him. And this draft has shown you they don't value George Kittle. So if you're taking a guy like that here, you are keeping him. You're not going to be able to trade him for a value because the rest of the league has shown you they don't value him. Right, so that's important for me in a, in a startup is look at what everyone else has already passed, like we, like they did with the quarterbacks in the real NFL draft. That's why we're concerned. We'll get to that soon. Um, but, yeah, that, that's why I'm sort of – I'm okay with you probably leaning into wide receiver again because it, it establishes the value of your team. The only other, the only other factor I look at is how large is the, the playing roster. So how many people are on field so, each week? We're so talking 10 or 11. What's the – We've got super flex, two running backs, two receivers, tight end, three flex. Okay, so what's that – so, so receivers will reign supreme. Yeah. So, and, and you're going to need. We know receivers score more on average than the players do. Um, so you're very happy having them sitting in flex positions. Um, yeah. I mean, are there's you, obviously no one here that you'd reach for at running back. The only question I have is, are no. there any quarterbacks that you think are of value? And it sounds like you don't. 
No, absolutely not. There's not. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Desmond Ritter, Davis Mills, Malik Willis, Daniel Jones. No, I'm not reaching for any of those guys in the fourth. So if you think all those guys are going to be there in fifth and sixth no. rounds, I'm, I'm pretty happy taking another uh, wide receiver here. I'm ready to take Matt Ryan as my QB1 at this point. Nope. Like I, yep. The way QBs are running right now is just not ideal for me. So I think I'm going to go receiver. So now here's the next question. Which receiver? I know in the chat, right, because I said I was going to let the chat have some input, Lucas mm-hmm. uh, or at Cute Hurts over there on Twitch, which you should be going fine. He's saying Drake London. I think I have Deontay Johnson over Drake London right now. I'm yep. not worried about um, Pickens as much. But you're the resident uh, Falcons fan. So how do you feel about London over – uh, Johnson, like in my mind, I know who I'm going to pick already. So I just, I want yeah. that noon. So I just, I just want to hear some conversation about it because these are decisions people have to make right now. Yeah, in the team, in a team that's going this young, um, I don't mind if you want to take a shot in a Drake London. I don't think you're going to get a lot of like he's not going to be a wide receiver one the next two years. Like he, he's going to be valuable. He's going to be a very good player. But with the way that this team is, is structured and the likelihood of them not scoring a lot of touchdowns. I don't see him being able to burst into the, the wide receiver ones. Um, it's getting, because it's getting an increasingly tight group up there. There's a lot of talented, explosive, big, long play touchdown scoring wide receivers. Um, and him at the moment in that team is just not one of them. He is going to have volume. He's talented. He's going to take a lot of, um, he's going to make a lot of catches, which is fantastic for his value. And we'll talk about that in the rookie mock. But for me, you're going to have to lean with the vet if you want production consistently. And I think you're going to be able to flip him for a better value with Deontay consistently as well. Um, the other thing with Debbie as well is, is that you think about 23 picks. If, you're, if you've got the 23 guys in this startup, which do you have the 23 guys in this startup for the Debbie? No, so the Debbie draft is actually after this. Okay, right, cool. So that's the other main question is that if you're fading quarterback, if the young guys from next year are included, that's crucial to understand as well, and that was the only other question. So for me, I'm very happy leaning with Deontay. Uh, I take him over Terry McLaurin. The, the young guys are unproven, and I love those those young assets. But, I mean, I reckon one of them, if not another quarterback, is going to be there in round five based on what you're I saying. Agree. So, uh, I think pick the guy you know is, is going to be possibly top 12 and produce in that offense I mean, and then I'm come not, back and tap who you want. I might be going like six straight receivers here. This would you be absolutely could, especially if the, if the value keeps sliding. And if you can pick up some 23 or some Debbie picks in that draft, I think that's going to be crucial as well because – those are some young quarterbacks I'm happy to build as my two into my future ones. Yeah, I agree. So the pick's going to come in. You should hear it. See if it plays through. There it, it is. Yeah, there it is. Deontay Johnson. That's the first Full Tilt Dynasty podcast uh, draft pick. Uh, kind of talk through here. Why don't you walk us through what we're going to do next? Because, uh, you know, that's important info right there. It's what we do. So this is Hard Yakka. So we know Tom mispronounces this and says this every single week. But Hard Yakka. You've made me so self-conscious that I won't do the segment intro now. He's got performance anxiety around Hard Yakka. Yeah, yeah, so Hard Yakka. Smugglers for this. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing. I'm not just smugglers in this. Um, Yeah, so it's it's sort of deep dynasty process, diving in. And and this week is is mock draft. So we don't have true ADP from from a period of time that's sufficient yet. Uh, we have anecdotal evidence. We have, you know, our own takes. And like I said before, I've only been to one and a half of them in real time. So I'm certainly not going to bring that up. Um, so what we've done is Matty and I, one of the guys behind our research at the Full Tilt Network, have gone through and created what we think to be a tier-based 
uh, two round mock draft to talk through. Um, Love that. One I want to see. Yeah, one I want to see if you can pick where we, we had our tier breaks. So we're going to talk through where we have some of these guys post draft and, and sort of talk through what our process and thinking is around them as well. I love that you guys just went ahead and did that without me too. Like I, I love and appreciate that. That's not something that I even had to like try to like put together. You guys just you did. might say that you're the host with the most time on his hands, but that is thoroughly incorrect. That's that's the joke, right? It's like calling yeah. it's like calling the biggest person little John. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't have yeah. any time. Um so yeah, it's not that I'm lazy. Okay, so let's do round one. Obviously the one oh one pretty consensus here is Brees Hall. Yes. So that's that's pretty obvious right now. And there was a tear break after that. Yeah. See, you guys have it as a tear break, but I do not have it as a tear break there. Not at all. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to pull up my rookie ranks that are done. Perfect. Uh, that I will put out at some point for everyone to mock me and make fun of me for, which is tradition when it comes to rookie drafts. But there is actually not really a tear break for me when it comes to um, the rookies. For me, it is Drake London is two, and Hall and London are in the same tier to me. So okay. walking yep. with either one of those is more than fine, in my opinion. Yeah, I think for me, just because Brees Hall stands out as the number one running back and there's a running back tier break, I think the next chunk of wide receivers leans itself to being its own tier. Because I think if you wanted to pick wide receiver at 101, you could. But as far as a value point, that makes not a lot of sense to me because you could then flip Brees Hall for more wide receiver production than just taking the guy you like. So that's the only reason for me it's a value tier break. It's not saying that those two players are not going to produce in a similar manner. But for the for the sake of conversation in a rookie draft and a mock draft or just purely most people don't draft with that in mind. They're drafting what they're feeling is the best player. That's why I would put London in the same tier as someone like Brees Hall for that. If you really think so this is what makes uh, me laugh kind of a little bit with fantasy football. And one of the things that actually shits me to tears about it is that we say running backs don't matter, but in a draft like this where Brees Hall is far and away the 101, then why isn't Drake London in that conversation? When Drake, uh, when London is the, um, you know, for the most part, there's some people that argue JMO, some people argue Garrett Wilson, some people yeah. still argue Traylon Burks, and psychos out there will uh, put Dotson. But if London's the clear-cut wide receiver, why wouldn't that put him in that tier one if wide receivers matter more than running backs? You're all telling on yourself is what you're doing. Um, yeah. We all can't be Jacob. Jacob has Brees Hall 101, so that's just that's what's up. Yeah. So I just think that you should have whoever your wide receiver one is should at least be in the same tier that yeah. Bre- whatever tier Brees Hall is in for you, in my I opinion. The, yeah, the beauty of the one one is if you have those two in the same tier, trade out because you're going to get value. Like, you know, so, like people are going to take Brees Hall. There's no debate. And it's, it's, a, it's ironic. It could be a complete bust. We know these guys, you know, there's risk of having bust. Just because we have less running backs doesn't mean the top one is more secure to produce. Um, <laughs> and the wide receivers going to have more time to, to develop into the players you want them to be. So pretty much if you have the one-on-one, you're just in that position if you know what the value is, but you can value whoever you want at that position. It's just for me as a value draft, that does not mean that you go and take that guy. If you mm-hmm. like, Unless you have done your entire due diligence to make sure you can't trade out of it. Yeah, I agree. I like, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Number three, yeah. uh, it goes Traylon Burks. I don't like Burks there. 
Yep. Uh, I would take Wilson and Kenneth Walker over Traylon. Yep. It's me personally. But number three, Traylon Burks is pretty standard. Number four, Garrett Wilson. One of the things with Garrett Wilson that I don't like here is that he competes with Elijah Moore and I guess in some way Corey Davis. And then, of course, with how much they want to run the ball. That whole Jets offense, again, lots of ups for Zach Wilson, but there could be target disparity in yeah. New York, which can someone's someone's gonna be unhappy. Yeah, I agree, and I, I hopefully it's Corey Davis, uh, Billy's favorite Corey Davis. Uh, five, you had Kenneth Walker, which I like, and you can definitely see the tear break. Six, Jamison yeah. Williams, I like that. Kenny Pickett at seven, I yeah. wouldn't touch Kenny Pickett until the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put Sky Moore ahead, and I would also put. Uh, Olave ahead, and then it would be Pickett, and then you have James Cook at one ten. Is this just because of what we're seeing? Because that's again early for me. No, another tear break. So we have Brees Hall tear break, Drake London through to Kenneth Walker tear break. We have JMO through to Olave tear break. So it was just internal arguments of there's only one quarterback available who went first round. That's the reason Kenny Pickett got pushed to seven behind JMO, um, and then Somebody we had to fit Sky Moore and Olave in there. Yeah. So it's just, it's just any of these guys we could expect to see fall in these ranges, but there is a definite tier break after nine. We know this, and some people don't even like Alave, so you could say after eight. So eight to nine, we know it stops there. Then Maddie yeah. got in my ear and said that James Cook <laughs> goes at 10, <laughs> and I said, fine, as long as Watson and Jahan Dotson go straight after it, uh, 11 and 12. Yeah, very interesting for me. I don't totally hate that. Uh, I would have... At, at 110 at the moment, man, like it's if you have a guy, go and pick him. But I really, and we said this earlier, I want out. Like, there's nothing there. And I might be telling myself here because I'm trying to move a couple of 111s in a few leagues. Um, <laughs> if I'm forced you're to take not, Christian Watson or someone, I'll take him. But <laughs> You're a savage, and you're not going to take less for uh, your players anyway. So that doesn't matter. Let's be honest. Look, 11, so 10, 11, 12 really is brutal. And I, I tweeted yeah. this out. I think picking out one at, at 10, 11, and so at 10, feels like the biggest punishment because that means <laughs> if you didn't yeah. trade for that pick, that means not only did you not make it to the championship game, but you won the consolation bracket and you have the shittiest draft pick. That is a double slap in the face. So maybe even triple. Triple would be if you're in that third place and you would have outscored the top two teams. Then that's a triple slap in the face, but you're having to draft at 110. <laughs> yeah. You've got Christian Watson... Yeah. I think he's overrated at 11. There's almost no one else in the draft that you could take there that could all of a sudden just boom for you. But he That's struggles. The issue, right? like, he basic is, I agree. He's stuff. overrated. Yeah. But he doesn't have to headbutt the ball when it comes to him, which is something you <laughs> might have to learn. Johan Dotson at 12. I mean, you have to kind of with draft capital. Yeah, so I agree with that. Yeah. David Bell. This is the second round, is where what I think is more fun. Because I think that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. The top 12 is pretty standard in how it's operated. But the second round, now that there's something to talk about there. David Bell, 2 1, almost creeping into the top 12. Well, I want to say that it's funny to me that prior to Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland, regardless of what you think of that situation, Cleveland was a death sentence. For yep. wide receivers, yep. uh, like I had been saying for two years on this show now, shout out Baker Mayfield being garbage. 
but now David Bell gets shot up to two one here in in the the uh, consensus mock draft here for Full Tilt Dynasty. So pretty amazing with that. David Bell two one. That's early for me, but I like it. Rashad White, like we talked about, two two smash. George Pickens and David Bell should be switched around, in my opinion. Those two should be switched around. So you got Pickens there at the is third. It, is that mostly draft cap for you, Tom? What's the? Yeah, and the situation. I like I like the situation for Pittsburgh. I think Claypool's likely gone. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much narrative into that, but I like Pickens as a player. Uh, yep. And David Bell, he's still got to compete with uh, the middle child of fantasy football, Amari Cooper. You can go and check out that article I wrote at goingfor2.com. Got to plug your shit. Uh, you got Damian Pierce at the fourth pick of the second round. Yeah. Then Wandale at the fifth pick. Yeah. I don't like that. I think Wandale no. should be above Pierce, and I think Wandale should be above David Bell. Yep. Um, just draft capital and opportunity. Yep. That's my preference. So Wandale, the fifth fifth pick of the second round, not bad. Uh, John Mechie, I have seen someone, and I shit you not, a 2023 first round pick to trade back into the second round of a draft to get Mechie at like 2425. I don't see it, but the way people are trading for and, and wanting Mechie, Canadian, I might add you, so oh Canada. Nice. Um, shout out to him for being born so in the world. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, anyway. Well, Claypool's also, yeah. Claypool also better than Mechie, so whatever. But uh, so Mechie at the sixth pick of the second round is actually very reasonable. Isaiah Spiller still at two at at, at the seventh pick in the second round. I don't like. I yep. don't no likey for me. Uh uh-uh, uh no yep. thank. I think I I think the NFL told us what they think of him. But at the same time, you kind of have to draft him in case Eckler does go down. So I get it. Much. Yeah. The seventh pick of the second round, whatever. Uh, Tyler Algier, uh, eighth pick of the second round. I love it. Trey McBride, you obviously know I'm a huge fan. Ninth pick. You can definitely see the tier breaks here, which we'll go over when I'm done. Then then I like this. Ritter, Willis, Corral all went one after the other. You're still seeing Willis go at 2-4. Corral, I'm grabbing at 2-6 constantly. 2-8, I'm more than happy grabbing Corral. And I quoted you when saying, that's the point of the draft where there's no other player on the board that's likely to return for you first round draft pick value later. And it doesn't take much. They just have to become the starter for their team for any stretch of time. And you'll be able to put those for a first round pick. And people are like, no, there's no way that can happen. Yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. Jordan Jordan was getting traded for first round picks. The second that uh, Aaron Rodgers' retirement things just started popping up, you're trading him for two, one, one, 12. And and you're either retaining value because you made a mistake and drafted him that high. That's okay. People have done it. Yeah. Don't have to feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about it. And then, or you're gaining value because you drafted him later and you're trading him for higher. And all he had to do was have Aaron Rodgers kind of go. I think I kind of go want to go and do uh, Jeopardy for a bit. And then it was like boom, drafted that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 100%. So I like that. You definitely want to grab those quarterbacks at the end. And maybe they're bad. Maybe they're trash. But all three of them have an opportunity. Corral could be starting by week three, even week one. Ritter could be starting by week one. And Willis, though not that early, uh, depending on how well Ryan Tannehill uh, comes out the gate, maybe they shit the bed in in Tennessee. Who knows? Derrick Henry could get hurt again. All of a sudden, they've lost three games. You can see a spot where Tannehill gets sat maybe, has another four-interception game. Who knows? Who knows? 
Who knows? Who and who knows if they retain him? They could trade him. I don't think they can cut Tan Hill in 2023, but I think they can trade him. And and next thing you know, you have a starter there. So it's you gotta draft those quarterbacks in that second round. Um, I don't agree with your guys the second round fully. I think I, so. I don't agree with our, with our second round. That was the issue. We we had a lot of trouble with this, right? Because we wanted to put guys that were being taken here to talk about. But at the same time, we didn't love where a lot of these guys were sitting. Um, but I also couldn't then fight you saying this guy needs to sit above here, or you know, it was just this isn't for our team. Let's try to put this together in a way that you can sort of see where the tear breaks possibly are. Um, Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of talking to do with these guys um, just because the, the outcomes are so sparse. Like it's so, it's just such a wide range of outcomes. Um, but I think the key for me with this sort of second round is pick the guys you think are going to fall back and then target them in the second round. Because guys like, like you said, Isaiah Spiller, Algier, they're getting pushed up towards either the early twos or the late ones because of the way the draft's falling. So if those guys in the first round haven't fallen or they're gone, who are the guys that you like that will return better value? We like the back half of the second because of that capacity to return value. And that's probably what I'd like to focus on talking about here is not who do you stand for that you think should go up. Who do you think may fall that you can then capitalize on as far as value? Uh, and the first one for me is Wondell because people, I don't know, it's like the short little fella. Um, we saw it last year a little bit with Rondell and that sort of came to fruition for a lot of people with the short guy. But the only reason I had Wondell so low in my rankings was because I didn't think he'd get the draft cap. He's now got it. Same. Yep. Fucking. Welcome in, buddy. Come on in. Like, yep. come up the draft board because unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. Like production, uh, just fantastic little player. Like, I like the I like the player. Um, it's he's in New York, so it could be still rubbish. But you know, who's like, he competing against? Like, let's give it a go. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Especially with the Tony stuff too, right? Yeah. Um, one one player that uh, I, I love, Trey McBride. Now, absolutely, I, yeah. Trey McBride fought his hardest to get into our top 24 show, but you single-handedly sunk his ADP consensus mm. for full tilt. So thank you for that. But I think he goes to the perfect spot a couple years behind Ertz. There's the whole tight ends take a while to develop thing. He's a, he's a very good pass catcher. And with Hopkins being out, he might be able to get early return. So if you yeah. are drafting him at that 2-9, even 2-10, if he scores any sort of early touchdown, you are going to be able to move him for more yeah. than you paid. That's important to to look at. If you, or maybe you're just confirming your priors and he's good and you're happy and that's what's up. So this is always the key. And we talk about why I don't like tight ends. And it's because the return on value, if it's not production, is so difficult to nail because people, whoever people like as a tight end changes seemingly half weekly, which annoys the shit out of me, right? So, <laughs> But I love this guy. He's a fantastic player. I want to put him higher, but the higher you take him, if he's not going to play on your team that entire time, we know players generally for me don't stay on my roster. I'm, I'm not going to stand and take a guy at 203 where I think I could flip maybe for a first round if I pick the right guy. Um, I just know Trey's not going to be that this year or next year. No one's paying a first for him because of the way it sits. And that sucks because it means I'm not going to have him. Um, but in two, three years' time, there's no reason this guy couldn't be a top five tight end. You know, that, especially if he's, and he will stay at, at, at uh, Arizona. This team uses the tight end. Kyler loves targeting of the middle. Um, I think their offense is going to change a fair bit as well. We know everyone else is getting older, and these younger guys will come up and take more and more of this offense. So if you want him and you're happy to sit on for a couple of years or a year, or like you said, he might produce earlier, he is a huge value for a piece that will produce uh, for you and your roster. But it's just hard to evaluate him against some other guys who I think could pop and I could flip earlier. And that's the only reason he slides ever. Because from a talent point of view, he deserves to be there. 
Yeah. Make your taxi squads two years, guys. All right. Let's yep. just let's get out of this taxis one year. Let's start making it normal uh, for your taxi squad to be two years. That should be a thing. Okay. Relax. Yeah. Especially for us tight end folks. We need that shit. We need it. Um, other than that, Tom Lee, I think that's going to do it for us. I mean, it was great to be back. It was great to be back talking just pure value concepts. Uh, again, not draft picks and yeah, kind of draft picks, but in a different way. Yeah. We evolved to the next stage of draft picks discussion. So I'm very happy that we got to just sit down and have a casual conversation about the aftermath of the draft. Do you have any final thoughts for us before we take off? Man, I have an Aussie slang for us because we know uh, it's never ending the way that uh, Australians have ruined the English language. And today is a saying. I look forward to uh, so today is if our souls could fly, this would be an airport. <laughs> I'm using I, that in so and many. I think on Twitter times. you'll find and a very easy spot to use it every now and then. But if our souls could fly, oh. this would be an airport. Is the saying of the week. Um, oh my god! Just a bit of fun. Not too serious, not too aggressive, but Jesus. <laughs> that's it's perfect and it's passive aggressive, and that's one of my favorite. Every time that you give me a new slang, I immediately got to drop in a leak chat. So I'm going to in some of these drafts because there are a couple <laughs> where people are just being outrageous. So that's getting yep. dropped today. If assholes could fly, this would be an airport. Oh, man. Phenomenal. Uh, for me, of course, it's always it's always the same thing. My final thoughts are never going to change because I think that it's important to have. This is a time where everyone's takes is going to take precedence over other people's um thoughts and feelings and that may sound lame but it's important to understand your take no matter how good you think it is is not worth being an absolute asshat to another human being and i think that's important to remember so with that i always want to remind people that you need to be kind check in on your loved ones because you never know when they're going to need it take care of yourself if you're feeling a little bit of burnt out don't feel the pressure we're going to wait for your content because your content is damn good. And of course, of course, you need to go to True North Fantasy Football, get on the website, get on the Twitter page, get on the YouTube channel, catch up on their content and ours, all while remembering that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose. That your best days, well, goddamn, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. <laughs>